Hello, humans. I'm extremely excited that you decided to join me today, because I'm about to do an audio commentary of the amazingness of this movie. Serenity is the greatest Star Wars movie since Star Wars, and I think Episode 7 will take that crown. But Joss Whedon in 2005, with hardly a budget, but a crew that he had worked with on television on the Firefly series, which this caps off. They canceled the series basically before it started by how they aired the episodes, kept switching times, horrible marketing, but they put the DVD out and it became one of the highest selling DVDs ever in a time when television shows were just starting to appear on DVD. And so they made a movie. They give Just Whedon $35 million, which is an eighth of Age of Ultron. Well, I love what Whedon has done with the Avengers, what he does with that little money, but this amazing cast and crew is legendary and is very reminiscent of Lucas with the first Star Wars film. They knew this was going to be the only film with this cast for this universe, and it's how it should be, and they get it all in. All the unanswered questions from the series are addressed. All the serious themes, which were teased, are brought to the forefront. And we get the trademark Joss Whedon humor. And you either think he's funny or you don't. And the fact that the two Avengers movies are the highest grossing superhero movies ever, uh, it seems like most people get it and enjoy it. But this is an even more rarefied and pure form of Joss because he was well known on television for Buffy and Angel and Firefly and other properties and well respected as a writer. He he wrote one of the final drafts of Toy Story. People don't even realize that. But because the cast had done 14 one-hour episodes together and spent so much time you can tell immediately. And I saw this movie with my dad, as usual, in 2005 when it came out. I recently found out that Joss went to my school, Wesleyan, and so I was a little bit more intrigued, but didn't matter. I knew that it was a TV series. I hadn't seen it. I sat in front of the movie screen, and I was in within about two or three minutes of this movie. I'm really excited to be releasing this finally. I actually held it back for a while. I recorded it, I believe, in mid-September. It is late October, as in Halloween, October 31st, when I'm releasing this. So, hopefully you have the digital file, or the DVD, or the Blu-ray. You're going to queue it up to zero. You're going to put on the subtitles, and you definitely are going to put on a little ambient sound, because as great as my commentary is, and it's pretty good. I've been thinking about this one for a while. The music in this movie is absolutely fantastic, and the sound design all around. You'll have to adjust, and the action scenes get a little loud. But, you know, this is what I grew up thinking Star Wars should be about. And I don't know why more people can't do this. So cue up your DVDs. Zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds. Want to line up the podcast? And we're going to go into the countdown when you're ready. Alright, hope you're ready. Three, two, one, play. Alright people, welcome to the film Serenity, which capped off the Firefly TV series, both which were created 
written and directed by Joss Whedon, who is now incredibly famous from the Avengers movies, and was well known at this point because of his TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. This is amazing. They go from the logo directly to the exposition of the abandonment of Earth and the colonization of other planets. Um, it's not a you know wholly original or, or complex idea, but you needed to sell the gravity of it. And then when you find out this evil you know fake teacher is the one delivering this propaganda. It's even better. But, um, so Whedon was well known for his TV stuff. Firefly was canceled, you know, basically after half a season, but it's brilliant and hilarious. All time great series. Um, it feels like five series. It feels like five seasons in one season. That's how deep it is. And, you know, and yet never takes itself too seriously. I guess it's not deep, but the filmmaking is deep. The art behind it is deep. And that's why this is one of my favorite movies. And here we go. So I hadn't seen Firefly when I saw this. I didn't even know that Joss Whedon uh, went to my school, Wesleyan. We have a great film program. I found that out at Wesleyan. And so this being a science fiction movie and just being interested in Joss, check this out. Didn't watch Firefly until a couple years after this. And so this exposition has to explain, you know, 14 episodes worth of exposition and, you know, the mythology of the Firefly series. And it totally worked for me. I mean, there's no contradictions. There's a tiny bit of retconning across the movie, mostly having to do with um, River Tam, this little girl, who's you know played soon as an older version by Summer Glau, and is really the highlight of the movie, um, and, and was brilliant at times in the series when she was allowed to be. So this is already a little creepy. The teacher, a little too friendly. Here we go. Boom. I mean, this is it. You know, the whole series hinges around what's going on here. And then what's about to happen where her brother, who you don't know is her brother, saves her and takes her out to the edge of the galaxy. And that's how they end up, at, and that's how they end up on the Serenity. So here is Summer Cloud, just absolutely killing it, as she normally does. <laughs> I've heard that. Alright, so... This is Simon Tam, her older brother. Uh, he is perfect for the role. It, he needs to be well written for. He has some awkward uh, moments and lines in the series, but his even darker portrayal here, although he is a little dark in the series, is, is very compelling. But their relationship, their brother-sister relationship, I'm always talking about this because I have a little sister. So anytime there's a you know great, complex, loving relationship, brother-sister, I am totally in. And they totally nail their chemistry. I mean, immediately in the series. Because in the very first episode, her reveal is that she's in a box uh, in cryo-freeze for her protection. She's totally naked. And then you have Simon giving her a hug while she's naked. You're, but there was just something about how he was hugging her and then soon after revealed that as the sister it just worked for me continues to work for me and uh here we go boom this is a great escape plan it makes no sense given the alliance of the technology but as i mentioned in my commentary in ex machina with my friend aaron you know you need to have the 10 guard base if it was a thousand guard base you wouldn't have a story no one could get in they talk about in the series, though, how he spent his entire fortune to get her out, and he was quite rich because of his family and because he was one of the top doctors in you know, the entire freaking you know, solar system or, or whatever it is. 
So the only real retconning is this particular save. In the series, it's implied that I think he got her while she was frozen. Um, but, you know, it, it makes almost no difference. So this is, again, a nice sci-fi trick here. Look at her, River Tam. Oh, my God, Summer Glau is just stunning. And it has this amazing look that's both very appealing and, and kind of alien. And that's why she plays, you know, you know, crazy girls with crazy powers here, and she plays the Terminator in this Eric Cotter Chronicles, where she's also amazing. But here it comes. See, this is great. Boom. Don't overthink it. Shift comes. You know, everything's quick. Perfect sized lift. All right, you think we're going to be following this scene for a while? Banging on the glass. And, okay. So now we've, we're in our third misdirect already, and it's five minutes in. We were misdirected by the teacher. He was telling the propaganda, and it was really just a, something going on in River Tam's brain. Then we were misdirected about Simon being the brother. And then we were, again, the misdirected that we thought we were watching this scene live, but we were watching a recording of it with <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor, who I'd seen in some stuff before this, but his performance here, I mean, this is one of the great all-time bad guy characters. And he's two-dimensional at best in terms of his motives and you know, morals, ethics, or lack thereof. Has very little emotion other than getting pissed at the end. They finally get him mad. But this is a case of an actor just owning a role and making him so scary, so real. You can already tell that he's psychotic the way he's smiling about this whole thing. He says, I don't exist. Let's talk about the Tams. They're, you know, they're shoving in all the exposition. But as I say, the best exposition happens as the plot moves quickly, and this is indeed the case. Love the still shot. Hair on the face. This is great. <laughs> no, no, of course. It's not your fault. I'm still going to kill you, but it's not your fault. <laughs> there we go. Gave up his fortune. Gave up future medicine. They're nailing it off in the series. It's great. It's great. This movie's definitely better after you rewatch the series and then watch this. But as a standalone, I loved it. It just made me laugh. I wasn't expecting. This was the most I laughed since the original Star Wars. And we'll talk about why that's the case in terms of science fiction movies. I love this. The situation is even less simple than you think. Um, here comes the sins. All right, this guy is a holy warrior whose religion is the Alliance. So that guy's a comedian. Uh, you might recognize him. And Joss Whedon talks specifically how he likes to cast comedians in dramatic roles. And, and many have commented that it's much easier for comedians, very talented comedians, to move into drama than vice versa. And, you know, you're either funny or you're not. And, and so, you know, even though that guy's so serious for the most part, he just has some great facial expressions. He's the audience. He knows what's going to happen to him at this point, I think. Right, bringing, bringing uh, parliament members into a room with the psychic. That's a very believable conceit to me. She never spoke of it. I don't know what it is. Look at this look. Yeah, he does. It, you know, he, he's now thinking about it. The, the doctor here, the scientist, is thinking about it for the first time because he's having to explain his actions. That's, you know, that's the alliance's weakness. The alliance's weakness is their hubris. And that's the only reason that our good guys, who are way outnumbered to say the least, are able to win is because of this hubris, which is being sold by Edufor, who seems to be totally in control. And the thing is, when you see villains like this, you know this is the villain who you know doesn't see his inevitable defeat coming. Uh, but Edufor, it's just magnetic. 
he was great in 12 Years a Slave. He's going to be great as the good guy slash bad guy. Uh, Baron Zemo, I think his name is, in uh, Doctor Strange. Here we go. Love this move. This is key, right? They had to show how he did this. There's a nerve cluster back there. It's like a, the Vulcan death grip or whatever. This is such a cool concept. Look at this. The shooting on them is absolutely perfect. He's smiling as he's giving instructions. He's already forgotten about this guy until right now. Here it comes. This is a good death, and he believes it, you know? That makes you even more psychotic than a normal bad guy. There's no shame in this. Fine works. And this is his religion. It's fine works. Better worlds. Right. And as he mentions much later, which I'll just tease now, he knows that he can't live in that world. And that's the look in his eye. A guy like him may or may not be correct that his ultra-violent approach will lead to a better world, but he knows that he'll never exist there. You know, even, even in his twisted mind, the finished product would not have people like him, I think is the implication. Which is an ends justify the means. Boom. So, we get, we're going to have a title card? Yep. But it's not your average title card. Look at that. So beautiful. We only see that up close. I mean, we know it's called Serenity in the Firefly series, but the up close of the logo, we really don't see much. We get a couple times in this movie. So, I mean, the music in this movie by, by David Newman, I believe his name is, is just ridiculous. I mean, watch. You think it's just swelling sci-fi epic music, and then? What? Is that a banjo? Is that a banjo in a science fiction movie? What the fuck is going on? Look at this shooting. Oh, all the way around the ship. Single shot directly into the cockpit. I don't think it cuts. It'll cut right there. Look how seamless that green screen is. They, they really look like they're on the bridge. <laughs> here, okay, so here it starts. This is the Han Solo Star Wars humor, but with the Joss Whedon twist. <laughs> is that the primary buffer man? <laughs> My Goram ship, that's their word for goddamn. Looks like. <laughs> oh, man. So that's Wash, the pilot, and then Captain Malcolm Reynolds, the coat. Who's very much a Whedonized version of Han Solo. They're not trying to hide it. And this is a Whedonized version of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and then, explode. Nathan Fillion, brilliant uh, TV comedian. I mean, even his Twitter feed is hysterical. Here's Jade, all brains. I'm sorry, all muscle, no brains. He's only there if has muscle. And they're still doing exposition about the character stuff. This is it. They do the single shot thing. They only change a couple times. But it's a single tracking shot. So, right, we meet Zoe, who is, you know, second in command. She's the first officer. We see the kitchen, which is the site, um, or, 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 you know, the, the place of many, many great scenes in the series in terms of character stuff. When they're all sitting around the table. The sphincter of hell, did he say? Oh, that's great. Everything's shiny. That's from the series. So the, the lingo is weird. Again, I'm watching it like, you know, if you guys saw Serenity before the series. Or just saw Serenity. I'm like, what the hell does shiny mean? But this, 
this girl, she's a grease monkey, she's adorable, she's on her shit, you know, so shiny, sure. I mean, it just makes sense, that's the thing. There's a lot of weird language in the series and the movie, but... Okay, so this is the, the ongoing conflict in the series, and, and it, since there's only 14 episodes, they really explore it up to the end. <laughs> Simon's so robotic here, but, you know... Mal kicking him off the ship briefly in a little bit. That never happens in Firefly, but he's constantly threatening it, so it's great to see in the movie. It's not clear, you know, the the series takes place over like six to nine months. Obviously, the actors are like a year older or something. So, right, so Simon's... Uh, the, uh, so Simon talking about what he does on the ship, which is patch them up from all their harebrained adventure and uh, violent encounters, near-death experiences. She's a 17-year-old girl. Okay, we know Summer Glau's older than 17 here, but it doesn't matter. She has a very girlish thing about her that I don't think she will ever lose. That's part of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the weirdness of the whole thing. A woman who, who sounds like a girl. <laughs> So the right, the only retconning is that this conversation would never have to happen because they've already had it many times. But for the first time viewer, and just to remind even the Firefly fans, right, that was part of why uh, Mal takes uh, Simon on board is just to say fuck you to the Alliance. They're like you know number one and two fugitives in the galaxy or whatever. So, you know, things are constantly getting desperate in the series, and even when they pull off heist, they're forced to give the money back, and, you know, they're always living, you know, with just a couple drops of fuel. In fact, they have, a, they have an episode called Out of Gas when everything just shuts off, and what would happen to this crew? Um, and so I, I've mentioned this. Okay, so he's about to talk to River. He doesn't know if River knows what's going on. She's, you know, constantly in and out of sort of consciousness and awareness. She's so much in her head. But I mentioned this line because in Avengers Age of Ultron, which was released a few months ago, May 2015, uh, they directly reference what River Tam is about to say here when she says, we're going for a ride. And uh, Ultron, at the end, when the city of Sokovia is literally blasting off into space, uh, Tony Stark's AI Friday, who's also female, says, Sokovia's going for a ride. But uh, that line from her... Right back there, you know, sells her whole character. And the, here we go, right. Mal loves the old school revolver. You know, that's the thing, they use Western guns. Battlestar definitely drew to from the use of real guns. And, you know, how, real guns with spaceships is actually a lot more interesting than, you know, laser beams with spaceships. More relatable. To you, exactly. She can already see the future. She just doesn't know it yet. Um, and... and you know, after all of this, it's implied that she still can see the future, but has more control of it, is more lucid and aware of it. Here's Kaylee fixing other stuff. So Kaylee's one of the best characters in the series, and I'm going to say that about every character because they all have amazing arcs and plots and subplots. So in the series, the mule is on like wheels or tracks, and they had to do it. It was too expensive to do a real hovercraft. Oh, this is great. It's okay to leave them to die. And that that's how Simon truly feels. Oh yeah, the goggles. That, that's where I fell in love with, uh, love with her. 
I'll get very There could be tears. So again, that's an internal chuckle. I'm always talking about with Leaded. There's internal chuckles, small laughs, big laughs, huge belly laughs. It's great. I love it. Oh, here it goes. She sells the whole love connection in 10 seconds here, even if you've never seen it. They'll be back before you can spit. All right, right here. Watch her face. Now you can spit, smiling, then frown it. I mean, uh, unsure. Jewel Stray is just unbelievable. I never know how to pronounce her name. It's Jewel State or Jewel Stray? She's so good. You know, she's just lovably cute and, and, and just such a good soul. But because she's smart, but she's also interesting, has personality, you know. She's not just a boring, good person. It takes a while for Simon to see that. Now, uh, by the end of the 14 episodes of the series, uh, they were starting to come together, but, you know, <laughs> let's be bad guys. That's Jane, and that's why Jane's one of the best characters in the series. Boom. That's why Zoe's one of the best characters in the series. And they've done this a million times. I love that upside down, slam him into the ground. Jane, pure muscle. Zoe's got the uh, sawed off, you know, one and a half handed shotgun or whatever you want to call it, where you can cock it with one hand. <laughs> So they pull off some great heists uh, throughout the series, but this is one of the most realistic looking, the least sci-fi looking. I mean, this could be a Western right here, other than having a telepath. Uh, but, but just the way it's filmed, I mean, it's so cinematic. This was Whedon's first movie. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. <laughs> 17 minutes said he had written scripts for X-Men, which were denied, and then he wrote for Toy Story, which was a huge success, had TV successes, was definitely a star. This was the perfect first film for him, because it wasn't super high budget. They knew the expectations, they knew what they needed, the characters had chemistry already, that the filming of it would be pretty easy, because they know what they're doing with each other, in terms of the crew, and, you know, give them something familiar to work with, and he absolutely nails it. And even though this movie came out... It came out seven years before Avengers was released. I think it's five years until Avengers started filming or really started getting into, you know, um, pre-production development. Right, what's a hero? Someone who gets other people killed. That totally sums up. I mean, you know, the crew are heroes, but they don't see themselves that way. They lost the war to the Alliance trying to be heroes. And the guilt of that, which we will see is still affecting Zoe and Mal in a huge way, and they fought together. He was the, the you know, the sergeant in charge or whatever. <laughs> At last we can give up. <laughs> At last we can give up this life of crime. Yeah, right. They pretend like Zoe is surprised at what he does, but, you know, they know what they're doing. They're a great team. Zoe is actually the better fighter than Mal, and so that's why you can make Mal slightly... Not necessarily smarter, but he's the captain for a reason. And that's why she follows him and calls him captain. Not, no one else calls him captain. I mean, Kaylee does occasionally just to be nice. <laughs> okay. The machine gun, so great. I mean, I'm in on all these characters. It's the thing. I mean, the one we spent the least time with is Kaylee, but with that look in her awkward flirt with, uh, with the doctor, with Simon. Oh, here we go. What? A repeater. So this movie's scary. It's scarier than the show. They only really do... Oh, there we go. I mean, the full-on zombie thing is sort of implied in the show. And I think the idea was that was going to happen in season two or season three if we got to that point. Basically, what's happening here. So you basically treat this as the second and final season of, of Firefly. That's, that's how I look at it. Or just the, you know, epic 
uh, end of a single uh, season series. <laughs> I was thinking more of a graze. You don't want to look like you just gave up. You know, Mal's trying to convince him that shooting him in the leg actually benefits this guy. Oh, that's awesome. So the nice thing about Reavers is that they're zombies and the audience understand the look and the feel. And that's why the ultimate reveal at the end is actually the ultimate trope of how zombies become zombies. But because of the journey they take in the misdirects, um, you know... <laughs> And and the mechanism by which they actually become zombies, you know, not only makes it work, but makes it highly compelling and rewatchable. That's the thing about this movie. This is one of the most rewatchable movies ever. It's up there with The Avengers and Camp, Star Trek, 09. Oh, here we go. And this is Mal's character. He knows he's killed them, but he's not going to let them, you know, torture and rape him first. I mean, they go all the way with the zombies. They don't just kill people. They eat you. They rape you. Right, so the mule, this is the first time it's the hovercraft, they can afford it. I think the special effects in this still look awesome. The mule stuff is really gripping, even though they're shooting close up, you know, but this is pure CGI, but with them sitting on something. I don't know how they do this. This still looks great. I mean, the reaver ship is a little flat, but because of the design and the smoke coming out and the spikes and everything, oh man. Yeah, this is great. Mal's got a revolver trying to take down this reaver ship. The up-close kill, right. <laughs> right, Jane wanted to bring grenades with all sorts of he and all sorts of heavy weaponry, and Mal said, no, it's just a, you know, it's just a bank to have. Jane, for once, turned out to be right. Okay, so they speak in Chinese. If you're watching this, you know all this, but I'll just say it. They, they bring in Chinese. The idea is, you know, China and America become, you know, the two big imperial powers, which has almost happened already. And so when they start a new civilization and some new galaxy or, or solar systems, it's mostly English slash American, but there's a heavy Chinese accent in terms of, of language and certainly aesthetics and interior design and, and so forth. Right, what's, what's Bell shooting at there? It's not totally clear. This is great. Okay. And the, yeah. And this explains their relationship. I don't, I, I won't get it. Right, you shoot me first. <laughs> well, don't shoot me first. It's a thing. Jane, you know, really believes Mal might just shoot him there. Because, you know, Jane, Jane does some bad things, has some bad ideas that we'll find out as a great shot of the revolver, straight up. Um, Jane's not a good guy. He's, he's not necessarily immoral. He's just very amoral, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, in one of the key episodes, um, probably the most key episode in terms of this movie called Ariel was like the 11th or something where they go back to one of the capital planets and they, and they, uh, um, What's what I'm looking for? Not invade, but they break into a you know highly advanced medical facility so that Simon can test River and see what's going on with her brain, but also is able to allow these guys to rob the place and those medicines on, on the fringes out here are worth a lot of money. So that was the deal, and Jane betrays them. Um, Jane gives them up to the bad guys, and you know, <laughs> and seemingly River and Simon 
the way it's played because Jane doesn't realize that he's going to get arrested too. They were just lying to him. So then he tries to play hero to them. But Simon and River figure it out later as this Mal. Mal almost uh, flushes him out of the airlock as they're leaving Atmo. Here we go. The barn swallow. I'm like, what the hell's a barn swallow? It sounds sexual, which works because they're married. It's a barn swallow. That's exactly what it is. They've had cows down there. They've had livestock. Right, so you're wondering what that flaming piece of, you know, (laughs) flaming piece of shit is. Simon's always the one closing the door because he never leaves. In fact, River never leaves, and that's, you know, when you watch Firefly and you see this, you're like, oh my god, they're taking her on bank jobs. That's how desperate things are getting. (laughs) Is he okay? Oh, yeah. That scared the shit out of me. The thing is, the, 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 oh, Zoe, I mean, yep, she's just a total cold badass, which is why she needs to be married to Wash, who's the one guy who can bring out true emotion from her. Hello? (laughs) <laughs> you know, Wash is always lonely up in the cockpit because no one wants to just sit with him all day, but he never really complains. You know, he loves being a pilot, he loves the crew, and he loves Zoe, of course. Oh, yes. I'm trying to remember if Simon hits him or vice versa. Oh, okay. I think in the in the pilot episode, which is two hours, I think Mal hits Simon twice for two different reasons, so... Exactly. River saved their lives. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I sort of missed that before where, you know, where Kaylee comes and instead of asking everyone else who was on the mission to throw, she asked Simon if he's okay. Because she's in love. Man, this is a key. They never lie down. That's a key, you know, a big... He's lying down. You're like, what is she talking about? But we'll see later that they don't lie down. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, Mal's the, the more clever one and the better, you know, leader for the most part. But Zoe has to be his conscience, um, conscience a little bit. Because she's the only one that he truly respects. I mean, he respects the other people as people, but in terms of their opinion, you know, militarily and morally. Here we go. Yep. Why don't we bring him along? You can... We'll just slow this down. You won't run with five. That seems unlikely. But. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> Right, so anyways, in the episode that uh, that Jane betrays them and sells out River and Simon, but also himself, um, there's a great exchange at the end where you don't think Mal knows what happened, and he just punches Jane's lights out, closes the door on him, opens the compartment, you know, like he's going to fly out as they're leaving atmosphere, and Mal says, if you ever do that again, you know, I, I'm going to kill you immediately, because he protects his crew. And that is the biggest gap um, between the final episode of Firefly, which is really bizarre, but it's all about River Tam outsmarting this bounty hunter that's trying to take her. Um, Because at the end of that episode, they really had come together as a crew, and the captain had embraced the Tams, but River in particular. And so, you know, only if you watch the series does this seem forced, but... (laughs) 
it's it's not it totally is logical. This is great, Jane. <laughs> I'll come in a fair fight. Or if I think he's gonna start a fight. <laughs> it bothers me. There's a woman. <laughs> Kill a man for money. Oh yeah, Jewel State so disgusted by him. But she's you know, it's Jewel State. She's still fixing shit. Jane's always wants us to clean up because he doesn't have any other skills outside of fighting. Alright, Shepard Book. Uh, I don't know if he's a controversial character. I've had um, different thoughts about him. I love him in this movie, but we will get there. Yeah, there's no edge, just more space. Jane's right about that. Oh, this is a great line. I would like to get adulpated. That's a great word. She's another hilarious Whedon-esque word before. Adulpated. I think that just means screwed in the head. Okay. The, unre uh, the unrealized relationship between Inara and Mal, who are very, very hot in Leia. They're constantly fighting in a way that's flirting. They do truly get angry at each other at times. And... The most awkward times are when they're being nice to each other, and usually one wants something from the other. But, again, there's a time jump, and you have to assume Mal, because Inara's leaving as the series ends. She hasn't left yet, but the idea is, because of her mixed feelings for him, and because she's a geisha, basically, she can't get so attached to him, decides to leave. You know, he, he has too much pride or whatever to try and stop her. So she's already left. So we'll see Inara. She's back at the training Geisha house or whatever. They're called uh, companions. But, you know, they're selling that Mal has thought a lot about it since she's gone. You don't know what you got till it's gone. It's a cliche, but it's so true. If, if you've ever been in relationships like that or know other people, it, you know, you... Oh, yes. <laughs> Kaylee's giving him advice. She's so concerned. She's so motherly. That's what's great about Kaylee. She seems girly, but she's such a maternal instinct. She's making sure River looks okay. Yeah. They look too tidy. It's true. They stick out. <laughs> I was dying at the theater. I had no idea who this woman was. She kills me. She's talking about watching out for certain engines. Yeah, this is so typical. She said it all without saying it, and he can't say anything. Oh, they make her hair so amazing in this movie. I mean, it's so stylized, but so subtle. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is, having watched both Avengers movies many times and done commentary on both, the aesthetic is totally developed here. I mean, he does something definitely new because of the comic book stuff. In those movies, there's less shaky cam. This is great. Of course, you have to have the camera... Um, or the TV shaped, not like art TVs. They do that in Battlestar. They do that in Star Wars. It's important that that's... Well, they're not alien, but it is futuristic and somewhere else. Yeah, they're all... I mean, Jane is glad they're gone, but Kaylee and uh, Zoe, not so much. Okay, this took me a while to realize that there was a gun check and that this is how Mal gets his gun back in a little bit when he needs it because I was so... Right, yeah, I was so with Kaylee that we could have made him... Oh, this is great. Here we go. Oh, my God. I die. I die. <laughs> oh, 
She's talking about vibrators. Uh, nothing twixt my nethers. Uh, yeah, Jane. Jane's a little, always jealous of Kaylee, actually. He thinks she should just, you know, fall in love with him or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Right, Mal is criticizing her for not going hard against Simon, but she nails him on the Nara, and he's right. Oh, these guys are great. Domestic troubles. Domestic troubles. These guys are so creepy. I don't want to speculate as to their... <laughs> right, he knows which is which. I don't want to speculate as to their true heritage, but uh, these guys look have an awesome look about them. I think they might be Jewish or Israeli. The Feldman brothers. Were they? Have they been in anything? Oh yeah, they have a lot of credits. A fine bunch of Rubens. Right, they already can tell there's trouble in paradise on the boat. This is exa This is so Firefly. They just cut right to the chase. Oh, they call him Precious. I always forget that. Calls him Precious. I always forget that. Just like Gollum. Man. They have leverage because they know he's desperate. Alright, so these guys were born in Ireland. They have to be Jewish. Raphael and Jan Feldman. They're fantastic. Oh, here we go. The Odie bars. This is... Here's the thing. I was already in the movie at this point. I was... I bought into every single character. And this animation is amazing. I've talked about this before. I think just the effort that went into imagining something so bizarre, but that makes sense in the, you know, the Asian part of this culture. Flashbacks. It's triggering something. There it is, Miranda. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Summer Glam, one of the greatest young female badass performances you'll ever see, and there's no point to this other than she's been triggered and starts killing people. Oh man, she's a dancer, obviously, that's why she plays these action roles, and her tall skinniness that should be awkward but isn't. She trained a lot for this and helped her a lot with Terminator. Actually, this is way more complicated than being a Terminator. We just go straight at people. I don't think Terminators ever kick. She's using kicks. I love the kicks. Always saying, even Morpheus in the Matrix. Love when you use the kicks. Yep. Was that a woman? I never noticed that. He might have kicked a woman. Yeah, they're just watching it. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't done anything yet. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you know that girl? I really don't. Here we go. All right, Jane. That's the thing. In the moment, you know, Jane's ideology would suggest that he would just let this happen and run away. But he also has to please Mal to stay on the boat. So, <laughs> yes, I love it. He's always just punching people down into the ground. It's great. Yeah, he, he can even almost hold her. He, he, she hits him in the balls. Man, that must have been fun to 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 uh to shoot all right and here's the gun check that's it's it's you know it's not even like a reveal with the gun check i just was just paying attention because that's the whole argument between kaylee and mal and i was just in it that's the thing part of why this is so rewatchable like for example in this fight i see something new every time not because it's an amazing fight which it is but because i'm so focused on the characters and the drama that you know 
You have to force yourself away to watch the more superficial stuff, as great as it is. Here we go. You know, unclear. Right, un she doesn't shoot him. She recognizes his mouth. She holds off just long enough. Where the hell's Simon been? She must have run away, but, you know, that doesn't really make sense. You know, as we'll see later, she actually punches her brother out because she thinks he's a threat. I guess that's why they had to save that particular device for later. Jane. <laughs> right, Jane got beat up by a 90-pound girl. Here we go. Oh, okay, the ship design series. Uh, it was like giant apartment buildings in space. I get what they were trying to do, but, you know, I know it's space. It still has to look, you know, sleek and aerodynamic. That's an amazing capital ship. So the big space battle in the end is not a space battle in the sense of the main ship fighting, but everyone else around them is fighting and is one of the greatest, you know, three or four minute uh, epic space sequences. Uh, and to me, it looks, you know, way better than Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it's hard to compare with Star Trek because it's just big ships. Um, but, uh, like, in, in the first Star Trek reboot, if we had... In the first Star Trek reboot, if we had seen the big battle where the... <laughs> That's never getting old. 90-pound girl. Yep. You gotta kill some people. She killed some people. Oh, this is great. Right, so the safe word that it is, isn't a traditional retcon. They just think you would have used it at points in the series, but this is the first time she's actively tried to kill the crew. A safe word. So this is a mirror of the... <laughs> oh, I knew that. Well, now I know that. Uh, Adam Baldwin. He's much older than he looks. He's like late 40s now. He, he was in Full Metal Jacket. He's legit. Right. Constantly hitting and pushing around Simon. Okay, so they're saying this is eight months since they joined the crew, which means the first Firefly episode. This is, uh... Yeah, this is really just a repeat of the the Firefly pilot um, double episode. But you needed to do it, you know, as a standalone movie. We're only 38, and we have tons more time for, you know, new world building. You're right. This is Jane always... <laughs> An intricate plan how they were going to be not here. Yeah. <laughs> Tea and dumplings. In earnest, I love it. This old school writing, I mean, it's just fantastic. I'd steal it, but it would be too obvious. I am writing a fantasy sci-fi book. You know, I'm thinking of doing language stuff the way Whedon does here. But it's got to sound good, it's got to be used sparingly, and it's got to make sense even if you've no idea what the fuck they're saying. This is it. Right, she can hear what they're saying. They know they might have to kill her. Yeah, Wash. Always, always trying to avoid violence. She's the only one. Well, well, no, Kaylee too, but she won't speak up. Right, I mean, who the hell's Mr. Universe? Uh, even if you've seen the series, who cares? 
So this effect looks totally weird, but this is a case where if you can't pull it off in terms of like making it look real, just go totally, you know, insanely like magical looking. This looks straight from Mist coming up. I talk about this with Thor. You know, they had this kind of art, like right here. This this building that's straight from Mist. I mean, they almost stole that exact shot. Oh, here we go. David Krabholtz, one of the best parts of this movie. <laughs> he gets amazing lines and he delivers. Right. There's the truth of the signal. Uh, the puppet theater. Right, he's married to a fembot. I mean, that's the thing. Whedon works in so many sci-fi tropes, but he makes it work for him. <laughs> the pup, did that make the puppet theater? Uh, they don't know what the puppet theater is. I'm not sure he does either. Can't stop the signal. Yep, I go everywhere. Insane genius, but has a good heart. He betrays him later, but it's not his fault. Is that what you sultry mix? <laughs> and they sell that they've talked to this guy a lot before. It's great. The internet, they bring in the internet to this movie. They don't really talk about it much. They do mention the, the uh, wave or whatever in the series. <laughs> I cried like a baby, a hungry, angry baby. He's wearing a kippah, he's wearing a yarmulke, and he's breaking the glass. He's having a Jewish wedding with a fembot. I, I mentioned the Avengers movies that Joss Whedon has a Jewish sense of humor. I don't think he's Jewish, but, you know, he picked Krumholtz for this role for a very specific reason. You know, he's a great actor who everyone knows. He's famous, but he clearly is Jewish. No. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Mel doesn't get it. The Odie Bar. Oh, God. Alright, subliminal message. Nothing original, but the way they set it up. Look at this. The the octopus, you know, turning into 3D code. So cool. So original. Thing about this movie, I put it in the uh, Winter Soldier and um, Star Trek reboot category in terms of just perfection. I'm not saying I love every choice, but it's, I shouldn't say perfection. It's flawless. There's no you know, unneeded shots. There's no crappy dialogue. There's no excess. But unlike Captain America, and even the Star Trek movie, at some points, you know, they're so flawless that it's almost oppressive. What I love about the Avengers movies is the is the chaos that you know, the, the chaos that occasionally goes wrong in the Avengers movies. But that makes them, you know, the ninety five percent of stuff that hits so much better. Because Whedon's really swinging for the fences, and in this one, he hits it way over the fence. And so all this has a certain kind of minimalism. It's such a highly developed universe. And here it is, the brother-sister relationship. I mean, this is the thing. It, you might think, oh, you know, this took a while to develop. Nope. It was like this, right from the beginning of the series. They immediately worked as brother-sister. They really love each other as friends, as actors. You can tell. They talked about it. Miranda. They had to use Miranda for the brief misdirect of it being a person. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's really trying to get in her head. Yeah, and she hasn't gone totally crazy. God, what a look from Summer Glow. She really steps up her game. She's like a year older, but I mean, it's like 10 years of of experience. Especially because she didn't really get much going for her in the series until like the later episodes.
Okay, we'll talk about the specifics of this memory later. Really the only thing it doesn't add up. Put a bullet to me. Okay. And this this gives me chills. I have chills right now. It's made me tear. I mean, I'm I'm borderline tearing. I've seen this a million times. You know, the thought of this girl killing herself because of what was done to her and her brother being right there. Right, this is I have a bad feeling about it, but that's the best I've got a bad feeling about it ever. Because it's her, and she's crying, and these two love each other. And as I talk about in Age of Ultron with the twins, with Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron uh, Taylor-Johnson, uh-oh, the operative found uh, Inara, Morena Bakarin, huge star now on Homeland. Now she's going to be in Deadpool with uh, Ryan Reynolds. But, God, is she just so beautiful now, it's not that she's not beautiful in the newer stuff, but she's just young. Here's Shepard. We'll get to him. But she's just young, and, you know, she's a little bit more, you know, body to her. I, I don't know if just for these roles they want her super skinny. I mean, she looks great very thin. I don't know. Maybe it's just her loose clothing. She just looks shorter um, and, and more normal looking. In Firefly, she's so appealing. She gets screwed. Uh, I mean, her and the Shepherd of the Nine are, are the two to go in terms of the main crew here. All right, so here's the Shepherd. He's a preacher. He was staying with them for a while. He brought them some wisdom. They taught him a few things. He apparently decided to leave. It's very heavily uh, hinted at both here and in the series that he used to work for the government, high government, maybe high military. He knows about how they work. He knows. Right, here it is, here it is, here it is. Right, the, the, this preacher who looks way cooler here and is acting way better is explaining it to Mal. He's been on this planet. He summed it up already. An operative, yep, he knows about operatives. Right. They always say, you better tell us about your past sometime. It's like, dude, you can tell what his past was. He was an operative or something like it. I had to know. This is great. Look at the way they cut to this. I mean, we didn't see this scene. He really is thinking about what to do with her. It's not your way, Mal. Here we go. I have a way. <laughs> that better than a plan. Yep, it is better than a plan. He keeps calling him Mal, you know. Belief. Exactly. And Mal never understands the difference between faith and belief. Preacher tries to explain. It's not the same. Faith is irrational. Belief is rational. Right. I'm not talking about God. What's he talking about? He's talking about River. And he's talking about the rest of his crew. Believe in them. Believe in her. But, oh, uh, this is great. That's the thing. I bought the preacher in the series, even though I don't like Book that much in the series at times, because of his performance here. He's so dark. He, you know, he, he's a true prophet. The way they shoot. They never shoot him like this in the series. You know. Kills and never asks why. Talks about sidling up to them. You won't see it coming. Yep. I wasn't born a shepherd. Right, you tell me about that sometime. He wants the full story. They must know that he's an operative, former operative. No, I don't. Uh-oh. Creepy teacher woman. Oh, yeah, let's all lie down. This is the lying down thing. They set up the, the Miranda thing so well. For some reason, I didn't love the word Miranda in this context. It's such a minor thing. But it needed to sound like a name, so it would throw you off, I guess, is the idea. (laughs) 
Uh, this is for the ladies. Young Nathan Fillion, just jacked. He's a little heavier now, still looks great, but man, look at that body. Of course, Anara gets to see him like that. <sighs> okay. This is one of the greatest TV exchanges ever, if not the greatest. <laughs> He's fixing his hair. <laughs> How's your world? Cold. Look how nice they are to each other. They're smiling, they're being nice. I hadn't seen the series yet, but then you watch it, you're like, okay, something's up. <laughs> Not to see. Yeah. You look very fine. He never says things like that. Uh, they're watching it. They're loving it. They know they're in love. Right, problem with locals. And Nara's actually hired them before while she was still in the crew. Mm-hmm. Payment. Right. He would do it for free. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Here it comes. <laughs> All right. You can't tell you I've been missing her. <laughs> they throw fruit. They, the crew's throwing food at the screen. Boo. Oh, right. Her, her personal blunt. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I didn't look through it. Just under it. They must have been acting off screen to one another. I mean, the chemistry is so on point. Thank you. Yep, they're cute. They're awkward. And the thing is, I'm seeing this for the first time. I'm going, oh, why aren't these two together? They're so great with each other. But we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, wash. Well, setting it up. Yeah. Trap. What? <laughs> Alan Tudyk plays Wash. Fantastic. Exactly. She was telling him she wasn't on the level, as they say. Yeah. Kaylee's, the thing is, Kaylee's wrong and right. <laughs> she's called the captain a monster before. He's a big monster. Even though she's the one who loves him most, and he loves her most, actually. He he. thing is, for Mal... Kaylee, yes, is an amazing engineer, but she's the only one there with a true soul. I mean, Wash has a great heart, but Kaylee has a real soul, and that's important to Mal. You know, it's always about what are you fighting for. They're fighting for themselves, but he's also fighting for people like Kaylee and Wash and Zoe. Jane, <laughs> Jane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. You come rescue me. What? Uh, yep, Zoe takes orders, but she's not afraid to bust his balls, so that's why they work together. Right, we have male companions, it's important they show that. I don't know if they mentioned that in the series. Right, so the companions, they're like geishas, but they're Buddhists, they're prostitutes, um, or escorts, but they're considered very high class. <laughs> a pony in a plastic rocket. <laughs> That <laughs> makes you a tease. Right, it was on the level. Yeah. Yeah. Giddy. <laughs> Could not handle this man. And we're about to see if he can handle him. Mal knows immediately what's going on. Right, this is what you have to do. You gotta make the whole, you gotta make a joke of the whole, you know, sneaking by with the outfit thing. Yeah. 
So the operative ends up really respecting Mal, even though he starts to really loathe them and get annoyed by him. Alright. Speak your peace. The, their interior... <laughs> she's a mite unpredictable. The interior designs, series and movie, just so detailed and, and appealing. Oh, this is great. The albatross. It's like read a poem. Yeah, you don't know. Uh. Yep. Yeah. Mal knows he's backed into a corner here. This red. Yep. It Operative knows. Umbridge. I mean, this this script is un, it's just unreal. It's just flawless. No stomach for games. And Mal has no stomach for games either. And the operative's playing a game. You know, that's operative is not not self aware. He's aware, but he's not self aware. Right, and Mal says it that he's an assassin. Alright, okay, so this is the one. I mean, to call this a conceit is generous. So, if you, if taking off this pulse beacon or whatever, what's it called? Pulse beacon. Why do you just leave it off all the time? It makes no sense. It, they need that he would bring it with him to show him. They had these things called crybabies, which were, you know, false um, signals from ships calling for help that weren't chips. To block their uh, to block their retreat, or, or, or to, to to throw off the alliance when they were trying to get out of there. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always shoot him in the chest, not the head. No more. He just said you can't make me angry. He's already angry. He beats the shit out of Inara. This is the classic. Don't have the woman fight if she's just gonna get her ass kicked. By the way, the uh. Okay, first of all, Nathan Fillion, who I should mention more, is from the Harrison Ford school of looking, you know, like he knows he's going to get his ass kicked, and then looking in, in absolute pain with no real confidence that he's going to win, and he just continues to go for more with no backup. That's like with Kirk, you know, the guy's trying to fight with Kirk. He says, there's four of us on one of you, and Kirk says, yeah, we'll get a few more guys, and then it'll be a fair fight. That sums it up. Kirk, Mal, Han Solo, Indiana Jones. Their hand-to-hand -hand fighting in this is very good. They did most of it. They talk about how these two really went at it. I mean, you know, I mean, to, to, if if you're gonna try and sell it by showing right here, right, just throws an R against the wall. But you know, there's so many shots where you have to see both of their faces. And, you know, if they did speed up the film, which they probably did a tiny bit to make it look faster, so they could do more complex moves, you know, it's it's impossible to tell. By the way, the albatross thing is from the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Um, it's a poem by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. 
from the late 1700s. It's uh, from the Romantic period in England. Right, the perfect timing of the incense, but that's the thing. You can kick Inara's ass, but she ends up winning the fight. Great filming. Alright. So, in the series, there's an episode where they invade a train, um, and it's there's, you know, federal troopers or whatever, alliance troopers everywhere, and, and their costumes look just like the costumes from the horrible movie version of Starship Troopers, and in fact, they used those costumes to save money, but they had a little bit more money here, and the trooper uniforms, which we'll see at the very end, look like they're from Halo, which I don't really play Halo, I'm a PlayStation guy, you know, I prefer Call of Duty, but I love the design of, the, you know, the Halo aesthetic in terms of suits and ships and so forth. It looks great. He's got the Bluetooth piece. Don't overthink it. Thing is, it almost is better to just use a slightly futuristic Bluetooth, you know? Here we go. Anara's always the smartest. You didn't beat me up. Yeah, Jane got beat up by the 90-pound girl. So, Inara, that's the thing about being a companion that makes it work in the show, so you're not just like, uh, she's a whore. Um, and she's not, and I hate that word, but you know, you know what I'm saying, is that she is so classy, she's so civilized, she's so smart, but she's so empathetic. She can have empathy even for the most evil person like this in terms of getting in his head. Are we caring about that? <laughs> you can just tell that these guys have worked together. I mean, the way, you know, there's very... Uh, here we go. This is where Jane's a little drunk. <laughs> you want to run this ship? What? I can't. Thing is, watching the subtitles on this movie is almost a shame because, you know, the delayed delivery is, is, is what makes these jokes go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Jane is rational about this. I didn't start this. Here it is. And this is great. Jane's been waiting to say this for a long time, but this also is exposition about their past as, as rebels against the Alliance. Uh, this is the one. This is this might be the the most intense situation in, in any of the part of the property. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe saw it all. All their men died, and that's why they lost the battle, and that's why they needed the serenity. What an awesome idea! Not only did you lose a war and you start a pirate ship, but you named the ship after the place where the war ended and you lost. All right, here we go. The, she has so little screen time in the movie, and this is where they sell the relationship. Right, and she's asking a lot when she says, I want to know who I'm dealing with. I've seen too many versions of you. Yep. Oh, yeah, he's... <laughs> Don't tell Mal what to do, even if you're Nara, because he'll do it. Don't start a war, Mal. Well, I start a war, you'll see something new. We'll get off. <laughs> watch, watch. <laughs> Nobody besides Jane is saying that. Right, here, here's the love. This is the only real connection they get to make. Yeah, he, Mal's so irrational when it comes to her. She's irrational too, but he completely misperceived what just happened. She was just a, being a part of the crew. She wasn't trying to run him down. Right, he says, you, you know, you mix me up, right? 
And I said, I wish you were elsewhere. She just was elsewhere. Not only was she elsewhere, she was telling him not to come. And he came, now she's there, and now he's distracted. Unfortunately, I really would have loved to see one more dramatic scene between them. You know, even if they, it's implied that they're going to get together at the end, which is fine, happy endings, and this sort of stuff I'm cool with. But, you know, back her in. I never know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, you know, does as much as she can with the screen time. And, you know, because of her comfort with the crew and being part of the crew for the entire series, even if you've never seen the series before, you know, once she starts fighting alongside them, it feels totally natural. Although we've never seen her fight. she got the crossbow at the end. That's hilarious. I love this here. She's discovering it's the planet. And that's what Miranda is. But the way they put her on the TV screen. So, I don't know if I finished this thought before, but the very... Oh, yeah, they're right there. Anytime the Reavers jump on screen, which is always, uh, it scares me, or at least, you know, surprises me, shocks me every time. Man, does this movie hum along? Hour in. Get about just that much. Left Jane's drinking, getting bad ideas. Right. So as I mentioned during the series, he tries to do this exact thing at least a couple times to get him off the ship. You know, there's a lot of reasons why he hates them or just wants them off. They're a pain in the butt. He really despises Simon. She just scares him. You know, when they threaten him once they find out in that Ariel episode, the hospital thing, where he tries to betray them, you know, Simon threatens him. And then, uh, <laughs> and then River just says, just looks at him while, you know, he's, he, he, he's in, uh, the hospital bed. He can't move. And the river just looks at him and says, I could kill you with my brain. And James looks unbelievably scared for for a very large bed with this very tidy girl. Right, Simon knows she's still in there. You know, I mean, they. why would the door being locked mean she's elsewhere? It means she's still in there. Oh, I love that shot. You know, thing is, she could have been on something there to make her slide. I think she's just wearing socks on a smooth surface. She's a dancer. She knows how to do this stuff. <laughs> she could have just knocked him out but she didn't want to go to sleep alright here's the teamwork boom give me the screwdriver I'm going to take it apart going to sneak up into the bridge which he locked off don't have to show it just got through that probably took 10 minutes who cares yeah and that's a great thing about Serenity, and that's why they get away with stuff with the Alliance, even though they're basically tagged as a, you know, a bunch of privateers or whatever, or worse. There's so many places to store things. There's so many back ways and, you know, secret ways to get throughout the ship. It's, uh, you know, it's way bigger than the Millennium Falcon. And, you know, it has the feeling of the Falcon, but it's so much bigger with such a bigger crew. It's a much cooler idea. It really, com yeah, it's like more than the Falcon, but less than a starship. It's the perfect amount of people. You got seven and nine people on this thing. Probably, you know, can hold about a dozen. <laughs> yeah, the gunshot back there with with River. And he, Mal really wants to know. And, you know, this could come out really condescending, but it's, yeah, yeah he wants to believe that she's a real person. <laughs>
<laughs> she was never going to shoot him. He just wanted to shut him up. So, that is a huge gun. I'm not sure what model it is, but it's not a 9mm. It's like a 40 or a 45. It's a huge gun. She's a tiny girl. She used to hold it for this long shoot. She said it was really, really heavy. And in fact, you can see that she's kind of propped up on something if you look closely for her to be able to keep it still like that with that huge gun. Yeah, she's, she feels so bad about having to do it. Right, and this is the... Oh, all right, so earlier I was talking in, in Ultron about uh, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Aaron Taylor Johnson and, and Elizabeth Olsen, and how difficult it is for two young, attractive people who could be love interests in another situation to really come off as siblings and to be able to touch and hold each other's hands and have it be non-romantic. Show them the bad. And while they're much different ages, again, with a beautiful young girl and a good-looking you know, young guy... Yeah, you know, it's it's those little touches. You have to make them competitive, make fun of each other, but also the way they touch each other. It's so subtle. I can't even tell you. I, I love their brother sister relationship as I do in most great movies that have it. Here and here it comes. Mal says, If I start a war you're gonna see something new. And what happens over the next couple minutes that notion comes to fruition. So this is where the movie gets super real. Not only do they show a lot of dead civilians here, definitively dead, but we will see a dead child who we not only see, but we dwell on. And I don't know what's happened in the 10 years since this movie's come out. Look at this. I mean, you don't even need to be sold on Kaylee's... You know, being such a good human. But, uh, Kaylee's seen death before, but to see a little boy. Oh, God. So, you know, what's interesting is, Book in the series, when I, at points when I don't love him, is for, like, seeming underacting. Here he's overacting a bit, but because of their chemistry and him cracking jokes at Mal, it totally works for me. That crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I talk about, like, yeah, the man who killed us. What does he say? I killed the ship that killed us. You know, I, I talk about in Joss Whedon's Avengers movies, there's a certain sense of humor, and outside characters like Thor have to learn about it. <laughs> Coming from you, that means almost nothing. Referring to doing the right thing. You know, I was loving it. And, uh, you know, there is a, a, a Mal slash uh, serenity uh, sense of humor, and it's only now that Book is truly mastering it as he's dying. It can't order me around. Right. It's the thing. Man, if you've seen the series and then you see this, and he says, yeah, you're part of my crew, you know what that means when Mal says you're part of my crew. Is it narcissistic? Egotistical? Yes. But it's coming from a good place. Here it is. Just believe it. And this is faith versus belief. This is hard to hear in the actual whatever you... I think he says her referring to <laughs> River. I miss it every time, but if you haven't caught on already, he's telling him to believe in River. Doctor's too late. Couldn't save him anyways. Oh, man. I mean, playing dead and not moving is one thing and is difficult, 
but to make it look good and real, that's uh, that's impressive. I mean, Shepard has two very short scenes in this movie, but he, he he's more dimensions to him here than in the entire series. And I think that Joss didn't know how to write for him. He, he tried to make him funny, but really he should have been serious with a very, very dry and dark sense of humor. Oh, uh, this is so great. Because you could just say, okay, they killed you know this one colony. Nope. Everyone that they know and have interacted with are all dead. And you think, where are they getting these camera feeds from to see it? From the operative. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Thing is, yeah, I always use this line. If your core goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. I mean, just burn everything to the ground. That's how the North won the Civil War. They just burnt the South. Ulysses Grant and company just burnt the South to the ground. It caused a lot of problems after the war, but was effective in winning it. And justify the means. Yeah, Mal says, you know, do you even know your purpose? And he says, it's not my place to ask. I believe in something greater than myself, a better world. Yep, he's a true believer. Here it is, yep, I'm not going to live there. There's no place in that world. <laughs> he thinks he has to be a monster for a world without monsters. He can't say that it's the existence of monsters, you know. That's getting us <laughs> into all these problems. This isn't even a mathematical thing. He just has the math wrong. The human man, as opposed to what man? Yeah, he just shuts him off. But man, there. <laughs> you know, the the only problem with this movie, and I say this about the Star Trek reboot. Is it should be longer, you know? They keep it to two hours because that's how you're supposed to do it in 2005 for PG 13, but this should be two hours 15. Yeah, Mal comes up with the plan immediately. You know, they're horrified by it. Maybe I'm just such a realist. I'm so in Mal's head, I know him well now. You know, I mean, it, it's gross visually, and it is sort of blasphemous to use these bodies in such a way. The thing is, though, if you ask these people, hey, if you were going to die, but you could be used to help save, you know, the the universe or whatever, would you do it? Book would definitely say yes. Book would be okay, right? Zoe's calling this an abomination, suicidal attempt, going through reverse space. She calls it an abomination, which is a religious term, and, but Book... Who's the religious man would probably be okay with this plan if he knew what Mal's true intentions were. Uh, okay, Mal's never said this before. Yep. Yeah. He, he, you know, he says, you know, you can stay here, or I'm gonna kill you, or you're gonna help me. Kills that guy. Gotta see Mal kill somebody. Emphasize the gravity and the darkness. Right, helping me out, taking your leave, otherwise I will shoot you down. And the thing is, no one on the, yeah, get to work, classic, a very, uh, Admiral Adamaline, and they go right to it, you, the skeletons, oh, it's such a brilliant plan, I can't believe they use those dead bodies, probably including the little boys, for this, uh, muck up of the ship. No one thinks Mal's gonna actually kill them. Partly because everyone knows they're going to do what Mal says, as horrifying as it is, but even if they didn't get behind this, he's not going to kill them. But they understood his point. 
his desperation, and really his understanding of how bad the situation really is. As the operative says much earlier, you know, things are even less simple than you think. Man, yeah, and this is where they had, they, after that cold-hearted ordering people around, you know, to, to put people's bodies on the ship. That's the thing, we see the skeletons, we don't actually see the bodies strapped to it before they leave Atmo hit space and their flesh to be torn apart it, you know it, it's horrifying there's a lot of horror stuff going on in this movie i mean as a genre and we didn't can do it buffy angel i mean vampires he knows how to do this stuff very restrained in the show mostly because he wanted to set the characters in the sense of humor but it works out perfectly for this movie to just go straight up scary you know they're gonna get through this thing but they use a device in a second where they're listening to the chatter from the Reavers, which, you know, scares the shit out of them. And they tell Watch to turn off the, uh, oh, that's great, to turn off the, the feed because it's so horrific. You know, he just, I think he just said turn it off. I guess for strategic purposes, oh, this is a great idea. You know, the idea of, <laughs> you have these tightly clustered ships, and yes, there's a lot of ships, but... You know, the distance between two planets and different solar systems that you couldn't get around them without having to go right by a reaver with a flashlight, but who fucking cares? God, this looks good. And it's presaging the amazing space battle to come. The space battle that's not a space battle. So, Mal had... Kaylee do something to the engine to, you know, let out containment, as he says, I believe, and, you know, have the smoke or whatever, you know, go out the back, which is, you know, I guess the calling card of the Reaver ships or something. This looks beautiful. The special effects in the initial series. <laughs> Here's Operative getting mad. Again, internal chuckle, defined, disappeared. <laughs> As you have noticed from my laughing by now, it's a lot more than internal chuckles. So, special effects in this movie are top-notch. They still look great today. I mean, they have to be so much more serious in this movie than they are in the show. Not that there aren't, like... You know, death-defying, life-threatening moments in the show, but the stakes are, are way, way higher here. That's the whole point. But, you know, their humor and their chemistry with each other is so natural. I just, you know, I think I knew when I saw the movie, even though I hadn't seen Firefly, the series, I knew that it was a continuation of a series. And so this totally made sense to me, that these, you know, complete band of unknown characters or unknown actors I should say would have such you know immediate rapport with one another even on the first viewing I mean I just gave myself up to it that's the thing I lost myself in this movie I did I did the Star Trek movie I knew would be great and it was even better than I thought the reboot in 09 this I had no idea Even my dad, who I have to mention every podcast, that's become a Bizzlecast thing. I saw this with my dad. He does love good sci-fi movies. You know, I try and be selective. You know, like I take him to the Avengers and Winter Soldier. I take him to the stuff I know would be good. We did not know this would be great, although it was getting, you know, very, very solid reviews. I remember Roger Ebert in particular 
had a wonderful review of the movie. I think he gave it three out of four stars, but it was very complimentary of the whole thing. And, uh, you know, it's not that I model myself after Ebert, may he rest in peace, but he always tried to take a positive attitude into movies. And if the movie sucked, he would rip it. But movies like this, you have to be a little uncynical, you know, and open yourself up to the fact that there's going to be sci-fi tropes, but there's a lot more going on. And so, you know, there's a reason I I only do movies that I love or like a lot. And I've tried to do other ones like Thor The Dark World. I can't even get through it. You know, it needs to be movies I've seen a lot of times. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, Simon again says the exact right thing. I I don't know what Simon could have said in that instance. So this is the... Oh, oh, as I was saying, I, I need to do movies I've seen a ton and love. To, to really get into the commentaries, hopefully you guys are digging it still with me. This is a great image. It's not skeletons. It, right. This is what would happen if the, the air were just removed from the room. they become mummified. And this is where, oh my god, look at that shot of Inara. Jesus Christ. Whedon knows what he's doing. And this is why they gave him the Avengers. They really only needed this movie. Okay, here we go. This spinning shot. They said they were, like, crying during this. Like, people were really disturbed by her performance. They had to spin it, do this over and over again with them just standing there. That's part of why they just have them stand there. Oh, God. She steals the movie. She does. I mean, Mal's the funniest and the main character, I guess. But Summer Glau's River totally steals the movie. It's about her. That's the point. And this is what's so great when you watch Firefly. All the threads that don't get explored in the show explored here and this is when jane turns he says the girl's damaging my cob which is another line i love to use there is a t-shirt out there i really should get I'm, i think i'm i wasn't confident enough in my nerdiness to get the jane uh, you're damaging my calm shirt but this is where he flips this is where he even jane who works for money you know or even baser reasons as he said earlier he's even disturbed enough by this for the tiny little spark in his soul that he probably didn't even know was there or or wanted nothing to do with, you know. Jane's on board. First time ever. Okay. This is one of the greatest all-time solo, you know, (laughs) sort of, guest star, one-scene performances, where she's just talking. You know, I have a list of, like, the greatest exposition ever. Um, Benicio Del Toro as the collector, explaining the Infinity Stones and Guardians of the Galaxies up there. The computerized version of Zola and the Winter Soldier, explaining how Hydra took over S.H.I.E.L.D. But because of her emotion, this is the best. You're going, oh no, you're going, you know, I'm asking myself as a sci-fi person, okay, at what point during this failed experiment is she recording this? Is it the very end? Does she still have some days or weeks left in her life? Right, they try to control them, and this is the thing with the Alliance. This is a physical manifestation of what Nathan Fillion's character, Mal, hates about the Alliance, that they want to control everything. And it seems... Like a really straightforward, you know, anti-dictatorship theme. But it's really about people. It's about the whole better world thing. The ends justify the means. And here you go. You're like, oh my god, they're going to kill her uh, on the fucking hologram. And she's not going to be able to turn it off and stop recording because she's fucking dead. 
you know, and as scary as the sudden reveals of the Reavers are throughout the movie, this is the most terrifying. And you know, actually know it's coming this time, although they still jump on screen. They've done things. There's the line, Reavers, they made them. It's like Soylent Green, made of people. But because of the writing and the dramatic performances, it's like all the cliches just just melt away. Oh, she tries to kill herself, and then they kill her, and they show the Reaver killing her, and, and they can't turn... Yeah, Jane's the one who can't take it anymore. So River had a memory of Miranda, and that's how this all happened. But it's not clear what her memory was, and she was able to locate it on a space map, and she also obviously was seeing things about the Reavers. It, it, it's unclear. She, you know, they hint very strongly that memory came from a telepathic, you know, <laughs> invasion of some parliament member's brain or something like that, and she got it from that. But what did they see that was so disturbing? I mean, were they on the planet? You know, was she just interpreting the information on an emotional level, which would make sense, given the fact that her telepathy is based on emotion, on deep-seated emotion? All right, here's a hero speech. This is it. This is Cap. This is, you know, this is Han Solo turning into Captain America. He's just vocalizing what they already know, but but that's what makes Mal such an effective leader. Jane's drinking. This is it. It's the first time Mal cares about people in general, and not just his, himself and his own people. This is the first time he. This is this is the thing. He's this is his second war against the alliance. He lost the first one with an entire army of rebels, of brown coats, and now he's doing it with this ship and these people. But they had, they had to make it, you know, also relatable to them. Being like, we can run away forever, but this is gonna just keep happening, getting worse. Eventually, we're gonna be fucked. They had to put River right by the captain. Because he realizes that, you know, yeah, I am to misbehave. Ugh, another classic line. Here we go, Jane. This is that. This is this is. And this, you go back to the series. You're like this guy. Oh, look at his timing. Do something right. Slides the bottle. It's Simon drinks, which he never does. But they're all on board, and this is great. I mean. You know, you're hoping the whole series they come together like this, but they never had, you know, a giant cause. Right. We've got the Reavers and the Alliance between us and the planet. That's two armies. Yep, they've already put together that they'll have infiltrated Mr. Universe, which is why they know that it's a trap, but they have to go in anyways, and why they don't blame him for betraying them or whatever. They're not going to see this coming. I'm sure that was in the trailers. I've never seen the trailers, but I'm sure the <laughs> that line was there. This looks great. So, <laughs> right, that's my motto. If you had a motto, just like, does Mal have a way or just a plan? He's acting differently. I mean, it, it's just like Anara was telegraphing that there was problems earlier. He's, he'll be the first. Yeah, they have to know that this is a trap, but they have to get here anyways. God, the screen design is amazing. We didn't just nails this. I mean, look at the Avengers. 
Yeah, we uh, we didn't just have a specific vision for a chaotic number of monitors and screens, and yet, you know, color-wise and image-wise, and it's always working in harmony. I mean, look at this. It, this looks like a two hundred million dollar movie right, right there, and it's about to really look like a two hundred million dollar movie. I think this was made for like thirty-five million, and didn't make much back in the box office, but. Because of the cult nature of the TV show, which sold us on the DVDs, I think they made a lot of money on, on DVD sales and Blu-ray sales of this one. thing about, I should have mentioned this earlier, the thing about, you know, Firefly and Serenity is I know a lot of people who aren't even into science fiction at all who love this property. Which, you know, vindicates my own feeling that this is one of the better executed sci-fi properties. In my lifetime. Certainly better than the Star Wars prequels. I think it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy. Not everyone would agree with me. This is great. The claws. They make it so insect-like. Oh, there's Mal. And they put a gun on there. And they take the gun off at the end and they're rebuilding the ship. I'm going, no, keep the gun. Keep the gun. That's the problem. They got no guns. Yep, so you had to have the, the, the Ion Cloud or whatever. They built this up earlier in Mr. Universe's planet. Look at this fleet. Okay. This is so glorious. Look at this. You're thinking, no, they're not going to fight. That's not actually going to happen. Should have done this as men, not with fire. Right, like he's left the captain any option. <laughs> this is the fire everything! Like Nero. Eh, I wonder if Star Trek reboot stole from this a little bit. I think they did. J.J. Abrams copping off of uh, Joss Whedon. Oh, there's the hubris. Not even changing course. Oh my god, you have got to be kidding me, look at this, this is straight from a video game where you're controlling a fleet against another one, but it looks unreal, the colors, you got the blue and the orange, somebody fire, fire everything, okay, here we go, here comes the, uh, you know, the shake cam in space, which I'm always praising, which Battlestar definitely made use of. Look at this. They're trying to avoid this whole thing. So here's the problem. The fighting's going on around them. I'm watching the Firefly, you know, ship. I'm only on the wind. Oh, God. Ugh. This is going to be so sad in two minutes. But Wash gets his moment. All right. So for the sake of this commentary, I'm ignoring the Serenity and watching the space battle. Because it is just so good. I mean, I guess it looks a little shiny, but because of the colors and the, the dynamic movement and just the choreography, <laughs> I'm a leaf on the wind. What does that mean? You know, the choreography totally sells it. You know, as usual, the ships look better from distance than up close. But, I mean, this is this is better than most everything out there. I, I think this is, for me, it's more appealing than Guardians. It's way more three-dimensional. You know, they're finding every possible way for the ship to almost get destroyed. I'm still trying to concentrate on the space battle. My problem is it's just not long enough, but that's the whole point. This isn't the Battle of Endor. No, 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 yes, no, yes. All right, big explosions going on in the background. All right, so the Reaver ship's behind them. It took me a while to even realize why the Reavers were there. Oh, this is great. The capital ship's exploding. That's the operative ship, right? Again, multiple viewings. Here he goes. He's got his sword and an escape pod, you know, on the bridge or nearby, which actually makes sense. 
you know, old school sci-fi look, love it. Don't overthink it, boom. The other ones I think explode. Yeah, so he's he's the only skate pod to get out. Yeah, he's G-forces, out right to the planet, camera's moving all over the place. Uh, sorry for the play-by-play. This is really exciting for me. Man, I fucking love this. There's the Reaver ship. Unclear why the Reaver ship is so... It's the one that they initially shot at or, or was nearby. Why are they so hung up on taking down Serenity? Not clear. Who cares? Up oh, there it is. Never saw an engine get blown up in the series. Yeah, this is like, you know, the very first Star Trek The Next Generation movie. They destroy the ship at the end so they can get a new ship. And while there was no plans for a sequel, and everyone was cool with it ending here, there's the dinosaurs, the toy dinosaurs on uh, Wash's console, which goes back to the very first couple minutes of the first episode. But, uh, yeah, it's all, I mean, you know, Serenity is a character. That's the whole point, and that's why the series is brilliant from a science fiction standpoint. Mal loves this ship. He loves the idea of the ship, but he loves the ship itself. But he doesn't waste two seconds in any of this worrying about the Serenity getting blown up. He wants to save these people and finish the mission. God, this looks awesome. I mean, they, they just, you know, just... Whedon knows how to spin the camera when he wants to. Close-up angles on the faces. The editing on this is ridiculous. This is like the best crash landing sequence of all time. I mean, look, we're already like two minutes into the crash. They're strapping in. Wash is trying to do something. There's the spaceport. This is unbelievable. Look at that. Through the view screen. You can tell it's green screen. Looks great. Ship looks amazing. You know, you've always wanted to see her do something like this. So, you know, in order for Wash to be skewered in a minute, spoiler alert, they needed to spin the ship around. And the physics of this, and what I've been hinting at or saying earlier, you know, Whedon doesn't use a lot of shaky cam in the Avengers movies. That's partially because, you know, they're... A Huge budget Hollywood comic book movies. So, so yeah, back to this. So the engine gets knocked off completely, and that spins the the Serenity. Not sorry, it's not the Serenity. It spins Serenity around, and leads to this following situation. One of the best and you know saddest deaths ever. Her, you know, his wife is right there. The captain's right there. <sighs> oh. So much better than the Matrix Revolution's death of Trinity, where she gets skewered, but she flies back. This is way more effective. No long death speech, just kill them. You know, they end up killing three good guys, including two main characters from the show, Wash and the Shepherd, Shepherd Book, and then Mr. Universe, of course, who manages in a very short time David Krubholtz to ingratiate himself, if you will, with the rest of the cast. I'm sure they were loving it. The fact that you're sad that Mr. Universe is dead is all you need to know. All right, Zoe is in full lockdown mode. She's, you know, as if Zoe could get more angry and focused. She is. She loses it later, wants to die, but at the moment... She's not even saying anything about Wash. So this whole end sequence is great. You've got to have at least two different um, you know, sets of scenes that you, that you splice together to keep it moving, to keep it interesting. Zoe, yeah, it's a thing. Wash is the captain, but Zoe is the tactician. 
and often the the second is the best for that, you know, because it's too much of a burden to be. I, yeah, I said Mal was the smartest earlier. Mal's just the best leader. Zoe is actually better at summing up situations like this. Mal's better at just dealing with the uh, scummy people and shady folks, I guess. No, here it is. Kaylee's the one who notices. It's totally believable they they would think Wash was just somewhere behind them. Jane, yeah, Jane's really losing it at this point. I mean, in a good way, you know. I mean, it's hard to know after this whole conflict is done if Jane will go back to old Jane. But at the moment, he's a good guy. In this moment, for this movie, you had to get them all being good guys, but for different reasons. Yeah, you brought the grenades at this time. Of course he did. Alright, Zoe's losing her mind. She she gets totally irrational in a minute. I don't know though, maybe tactically we'll, we'll get there. Maybe tactically she she thinks he's you know, making the right move. Zoe. Do the job, sir. I mean she's in command. As soon as Mal leaves, she's in command. They have to listen to her. And so when she basically looks like she's giving up her life. Can't be thinking on revenge. Jane's already thinking about himself. Alright, you think we're gonna get through this? <laughs> I buy it. Yeah, but it's all worth it for Kaylee and Simon coming up. Oh man. Goldfish? Man, this, I mean, it's totally a Matrix thing, but the way they spread out the screens and and the visuals on the screens has its own distinct look, but no doubt. And, and that look of, of the wires and computer screens goes, you know, way further back to Japanese stuff. So it's a shared property at this point. Now, you're going, okay, he got stabbed. It looked like he died immediately and somehow crawled to the fembot, but it's important that he was still alive for a couple minutes for this. This is brilliant. I did not see this coming. That he would transmit this message through her. And that because she was a fembot, that the operative wouldn't think to kill her. And so I'm always curious what they're doing with the voice here. It's definitely her voice. His voice might be spliced in there with some computer stuff. Right, he, he knows that Mr. Universe didn't want to betray them. Rubs his shoulder. That's Mal, you know. You live by a code of ethics, he'll respect you. And <laughs> they're all made up of rage. <sighs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, when they discovered what Miranda was all about and, and River threw up, that was the first breakthrough. But as Jade says, yeah, she picked a sweet time to, you know, go helpless on us, you know. <laughs> Even Jane has to admit that she's useful. Here we go. I love this. Because this is the best unrequited love story in the series, and you see the movie, it's just like, you want to clap. Yeah, Sean Marr here as uh, as Simon unburdening himself and scared and finally honest. He's so good. They're all so good. I just... You never hear him talk like this. Right, he's finally going to admit. Thinks he's going to die. And then... The thing is, you know, when you, I probably thought that line that my one regret and all this is not being with you, with me. I thought it was cheesy in the theater, maybe, but after seeing the series, you're so pumped. 
<laughs> she's thinking of sex. <laughs> That's the thing. She just wants to have sex. He wants a, you know, a deep relationship, but she does too. But she wants to have sex with him after eight months of flirting. How with this? I'm gonna live. Yeah, you have to buy that. Kaylee could be like super militant, badass. So that's the perfect motivation. This is brilliant. It's amazing to make this a standalone, you know, classic sci-fi movie. But you know, please the fans. I don't know any fans of Firefly who don't love this movie. Maybe that's just because I don't know a lot. Oh God. Yeah, Mal should have killed the Fembot. She repeated it to him, to the operative. So there's the crossbow, okay, with Inara. It's hard to believe she'd be so skilled at fighting, but they are trained in a lot at their school. It's not just being a geisha, but they had to modify the weapon. The crossbow looked, you know, too ridiculous or something, so they CGI'd out one weapon and put in the other. Still not really clear. It looks like a crossbow, which I'm glad. It's a great fucking design. Here it is. Okay, so apparently this shot was very expensive. Right here, the, the gear is turning. They could only show it three times. Joss was very specific about this in his commentary. We can only afford to show it three times. So we, we have spaceships crashing, Reavers versus the Alliance fleets, you know, all this stuff. But somehow that's the expensive shot? It's amazing. But t that's the thing. Today that would be cheap. Here we go, Zoe. You know, does she want to die? Is she not thinking? She's supposed to be the leader. Now she wants to fight him hand to hand. You know, she, you know she, she's full of rage against the Reavers because they killed her husband. But she's really mad at the whole situation, obviously, which really comes from the Alliance. Back on the line, here we go. Slices her back. All right, that was the little bolt from the uh, crossbow there. I like that. It would make sense for Inara. She would do, like, archery. <laughs> oh, okay. So while this fight is great from a dramatic standpoint and even an aesthetic standpoint, it makes no sense. So he shot him with a stun gun. Uh -uh. Oh, this is great. Right. The operative says they're innocent people dying. He thinks he's talking about the Alliance, but Mal's saying yeah, the Reavers are too. This is the belief from Shepard. Oh, the shootout, that's great. Shoots his hand, and then misses a bunch of close-range shots. And then, Mal jumps on this horizontal ladder to climb across, which he says, great. But then, you know, where's the gun from the operative? Why doesn't he just shoot Mal? They're swinging all over the place. Here we go, Inara taking out... Even Simon's shooting. You know, Jane's the one who's really, you know, <laughs> holding this battle down with this huge gun and great fighting skills. That's the thing. That's why you need him. It's like, why you need Starbuck and Battlestar Galactica? Although she's a much uh, better person, I guess. I love the film. Don't overthink it. I mean, you know, the Reavers are cartoonish, but because of how the makeup's done and they frame it, it's really, like, it's just scary and ugly, I guess. Oop. Yeah, I mean, this is a very, like, classic Indiana Jones final scene, but because the operative, although she would tell Edgy for, is brilliant, you know, he's pretty uh, single-minded and, you know, doesn't have a lot of substance outside of his ideology, as great as the performance is. You have to resolve it via battle, but they did have some great words before, and then, yeah, there's that amazing ending where Mal, 
forces him to watch the footage that they saw earlier of the woman getting eaten by the reverse. So Mal's face getting smashed uh, a couple seconds ago into the ground. He really did that. He had to do it over and over again. Uh-oh, Kaylee got hit. You know, again, a stun dart, you know? I mean, thing is, they've killed enough people already, good guys and bad, in this movie. It doesn't even matter. You need to set up the dramatic beats. Here they come. They're the thing. You know, they thought this was a defensible position. It would seem that being inside the door would be a more defensible position. But here they go. They try and close it, and... Uh, great shot right there. You know... It's not that the cinematography was bad in the series, but when you're making a movie with the time and the budget, I mean, you just make it look Hollywood. And with the tiny budget, I mean, it's like a tenth of what Ultron was, essentially. Yeah, to look this good. I, it's a thing. I don't know if I'm going to call this a, like a high-level difficulty thing, although it was. But, you know, budget to product in the time that existed, meaning this movie for $35 million in 2005 is just... You know, just just mind blowing. It really does. It blows my mind. Boom. Oh. Okay. And this is where River really flips to being in control or being more in control. It takes the death or near death of her brother. So who's alive? Jane's hit, but he's still playing. He's still shooting. Zoe's out. Kaylee's out. Right, he's thinking about Kaylee, he doesn't care about himself, and this is Simon, that's the thing. And that's part of why Kaylee loves Simon, and this, you know, you have to see the series for all these themes, is he loves his love for River. Kaylee sees that as so admirable, and so amazing, he's constantly sacrificing himself, or trying to sacrifice himself for his sister. She loves that about him. It makes total sense that Kaylee would be the one that, you know, would find that attractive. I, and I would as well if, you know, if it was a female in that position. You take care of me, Simon. Here it is. You've always taken care of me. Here we go. Oh, I got chills now, people. Oh, uh, the lights go on. My turn. No. Is she really doing this? Oh, Summer Glow. Dives through. You know, hits a bunch of the guys. Alright, you see her kicks a mass, and closes it up, and gets the medical bag back to Simon, so he can help himself and everyone else. Door closes, you're going, oh, we're not going to see any of that battle. It's just going to be all implied. <laughs> yep, Harrison Ford, model, do anything, keep going, don't think about the odds. You know, he doesn't have C-3PO telling him there's a 1% chance of survival. Love the sword. Another lefty, by the way. I'm going to do a whole podcast on lefties in Hollywood. They all fight with their left. Now, that was with the right, but for the most part, he's been holding it with the left, I believe. Oh, here's the sin. Yeah, Mel. <laughs> I'm a fan of all seven. Yeah. That's the thing. Mal sees himself as a worse person than he is. That's what informs his character. It's a little different than Han Solo. It's not that he's not deluded, but... Oh, right, the sword in the ground never works. They tried that in Matrix Reloaded. Morpheus missed that one. But, yeah, Mal sees himself as, as being a horrible person. And while he does bad things at times, it's almost always for the survival of, of that man for him. 
think Mel got the word out. Yeah. This is so great. You think it's a cliched? Yeah, I have a feeling he got through. Oh, that's the shot there where his face smashes against the crowd. What a great transition. So he's like, yeah, yeah, he got through. Nope, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. The nerve cluster. And the thing is, you know, this little, you know, trick here where he's resistant to the, the force powers or whatever. Makes sense. He has so many injuries from his rebellion against them. Boom. Oh, right to the throat. That's it. That's Mal. He's way outmatched by this guy, but he outsmarted him. Got lucky. Oh, then he breaks his arms. I mean, that's the thing. Take out the throat. Take out the arms. You tie him down. Right. First tour. Wow. He must have a lot of wounds from the Battle of Serenity and everything leading up to it. Sorry about the throat. He's like, Colson, <laughs> move back, please. <laughs> I don't think you're being completely honest with me. Yeah. Yeah, Malice. I'm going to grant your greatest wish. Exactly. A better world is going backwards, is what Weedon is saying with this series. You know, he wants. Yeah. A world without sin. Yeah, Whedon does not want a utopia. He, he, the whole idea of Firefly and Serenity is is <laughs> criticizing the idea of utopia and, and you know and what a utopia would look like that seems good on the outside, but whose soul is rotted and evil. And and Whedon prefers a world with chaos, with creativity, with unpredictability. Fits his personality. I mean, he didn't direct the Winter Soldier movie. You know, where Captain America, you know, supposedly the greatest patriot, takes down the American intelligence apparatus. Okay, here it is. Oh, we do get to see it, and it's not as long as you want, but goddamn. Just watch this. So this is the just swing swords everywhere thing, and they talk about this. You know, this was like someone told her to just keep swinging the sword when she didn't know what else to do. But it totally connects. I mean, camera's going all over the place. Single shot. There's been no changes. She does the, yeah. The swing around the head fight, and you see that, and then you don't see it again. But God, was that glorious. I would have made me transition to her getting even nastier one last time before all of this, but I appreciate the restraint, <laughs> especially when you see Avengers Age of Ultron, you know, which I love to death, and I wouldn't really change anything, but it would never be accused of being restrained. And that's why Joss does everything differently, and that's why I love him. But it's all got the humor, and it's got the... Deep characters that you love, that are flawed, but want to do the right thing. It's done. So, everyone but Inara is, is, is injured at this point. <laughs> or in the reverse, somehow. Doesn't even get a scratch in the fight against the reverse. Oh, here it is. This is so great. <laughs> what makes the lack of more uh, river fighting more painful is that they tease that she's about to start again. Oh, look at that. I mean, that's that's a hero shot. That's a hero shot. Joss Whedon has to have that shot, usually with females in every movie. Right, here's the Halo uh, costumes. I think it looks like Halo. If you guys are Halo fans, and, and I'm off, I apologize. Look at her. God, Summer Cloud. The thing is, she steals the movie without you even realizing till later.
and the fact with the operative is that he ends up being smarter than you think, not in, in the important ways in terms of perceptiveness. When he watches that video, he's not a, he's not horrified by the actual violence and death that goes on in it, but the implications of it. Because the video itself is an exposition, and he claims not to ask about secrets, he claims to just do his job blindly, but there's something going on up there, and he puts it together. That even all the evil things he's done, you know, pale in comparison to what happened on Miranda, and it's probably happened on other planets in different ways, different times. Love the rocket. Not really sure what they're launching, but it's a great image. Look at Summer Cloud. Just stunning. The thing is, as stunning as Summer Cloud looks, oh my god, look at this shot of Gita Torres in that dress. You know, she's married to Lawrence Fishburne, and she's actually in the Matrix sequels briefly and is great. You know, with Morpheus. I mean, she's not with Morpheus, but she's with Lawrence Fishburne. God bless him. She is a beauty. And they don't draw out that scene. Now they're back to rebuilding Serenity. It's the only thing that keeps Zoe going. Now, up until now, the ship has been the only thing that's kept Mal going after the trauma of losing the war against the Alliance. Now we see Rivers fixing shit. Oh, I love this. This is what's great. Not only is Inara an amazing artist, as we would expect, in repainting the logo, but it's more than a little implied that she painted the original logo, and I do not believe they say that in the original series. Little touches, you know, that's the thing. It's not a one-way relationship between the series to this. Finally, we see them kiss. There's so much chemistry. That's the thing. I think the actors were ready for it. I mean, you know, they're two beautiful people. Oh, here it comes. This is great. Uh -huh. And River's watching, and it's so creepy, but because of her character and everything up till this point, she's just so curious. Does she watch them actually have sex? I don't know, but Whedon loves to throw those little things in, and this is great. This is the baddest, evilest, one-dimensional bad guy, so you thought. Not only turning, but realizing that his whole life's a waste, and, and, and the rest of his life will be a waste. Yeah, they had to make this real. Weak in the regime, but it's not gone. And that's why they, they're still somewhat off the radar for now. Yep. That's how powerful the operative is. The parliament listens to him, even though he leaves. And he tried to even convince them to change their course of action after all that. And the thing is, it makes no sense on, on the page, but she went to Edge of Four, it just completely sells it to be. Completely. I'm with this guy. I mean, I, I'm with believing this guy the whole time. Yeah, you won't see me again. And, and that's a mirror of the very beginning where he says, I don't have a name, I don't exist. And now he still doesn't have a name and still doesn't exist. And he's fighting for nothing after fighting for something that wasn't what he thought. Yeah, so this is the classic. I'm going to ask you about something that's not what I'm asking you about. Things you hold together, meaning her, Zoe. Yep, Zoe's Torah plenty, but Zoe will fly true. That's what they're saying. They don't have to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, Zoe didn't seem like an amazing actress in, in the movie to me, but she really grows on you with the series, and you watch the movie, and just, you know. Because she shows the least emotion for the most part, which is a higher level of difficulty in some ways. Oh, here we go. This is Anara just, you know, saying she wants to be the girlfriend. 
I'm okay with that. I wanted the happy ending, but... Right, look at her. Oh my god, she is such an amazing look. Yeah, good answer. That, I mean, uh, God. Marina Baccarin, I'm sorry. She's just stunning. Thing is, she's stunning, but she's just so appealing as a personality. Which makes her role in Homeland hilarious, because she's such a naggy, insecure wife. And the thing is, it's totally understandable, because her husband's a terrorist. That's not telling anyone he's a terrorist. So her, you know, sort of naggy neurosis in that is totally understandable. Very different here, very relaxed. Only gets tense around him, but they're starting to get more comfortable. But her saying, I don't know, and him saying, good answer, is totally like Leia saying, I love you, and Han Solo saying, I know. And right, yeah, River's flying the ship, and he's letting her do it. <laughs> Clearly some, uh, some aptitude for the, uh... here we go, this is the best. And this is, I was talking about surrounding the character. First roll flying. Right, it's like the Oracle. I wouldn't be an Oracle if I wasn't. Yep. Oh, God, she's so good. I do, but I like to hear you say it. Yep, and, he, and that's the thing. He's going to say it. Because the thing is, she knows what he's going to say, but she doesn't know how he's going to say it. And that's what's so cool about how they play this. Love. That's what this movie's about. It's about all their love for each other, brother-sister love, Zoe and Wash, Mal's love for the ship, love for the crew. Yep, tells you she's hurting before she kills. Makes her a home. It's his home. This is all he has. But he's starting to realize that the people on the boat are more important. He always knew it at some level. Right? Storm's getting worse. Passed through it soon enough. And they still have the dinosaurs for Wash. You rarely see the two giant consoles next to each other framed that way. The pilot co-pilot. Because it's, you know, Wash is always the, the pilot, so who needs a co-pilot? This is beautiful. Oh, God. I got shells watching this spin around. And then... You think it's sailing up, but... Oh. <laughs> is the primary buffer panel, or is that the secondary buffer panel? Oh, man, what a great movie. God damn, I love watching that. Um, thing is, this commentary I've had in my head for a while, just because I've seen it a lot, I, there's multiple actual commentaries. One is just Joss Whedon, and then there's one with Whedon in the cast, where, you know, as you'd expect, Whedon and Nathan Fillion steal, you know, 75% of the time, because they're just hilarious, and they're alpha males, but the rest of the cast throws in some nice stuff. Watch behind the scenes, I've read about how the whole Firefly saga unfolded in terms of its early cancellation, and, you know, I mean, I've been saving this one. It's low-hanging fruit for me, but... It makes me laugh every time. I mean, it's like the Avengers movies. I, I I literally could watch this movie again right now, not do commentary with you guys, and laugh my fucking ass off. So I won't do too much of a wrap up here. This music's fantastic. Oh, here comes the the banjo right here. I I can't believe more people don't do this. Oh, I listen to this two minute thing all the time. Hmm. Mm. David Newman nailed it, man. Absolutely nailed it. They all did. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping you've seen the movie before watching this. Um, if you haven't, then I appreciate the amount of credibility that you're giving me implicitly. But you got to watch the Firefly series. You have to. Yes, it's lower budget. It's a little slower. Of the 14 episodes, there's maybe two or three you know, that you only want to watch a couple times, but the other 11 you'll watch over and over and over again, including the amazing pilot in the aerial episode with the hospital raid I was telling you about. 
Um, <laughs> there's an amazing episode called Janestown early on where it turns out that, you know, Jane accidentally becomes a folk hero of a little, you know, shit town on a shit planet on the f- fringes because he accidentally drops all the money he's stealing and the people think he's, you know, Robin Hood and they make a statue and there's songs and legends about him. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and that's actually where they start humanizing Jane because someone dies for him for the wrong reason. Okay, so now we got guitar, banjo, electronic beats. Oh, God, David Newman, God bless. Anyways, go see Firefly. Watch the movie again. You'll see new stuff every time. I always do. I appreciate you joining me. It's a Goram good time. Everything is shiny. And some Chinese words that I can't say and won't be translated. Bizzle out.